Um, well, hey, last week we discussed what if Jesus was never born? We talked about the series kind of uh, from like, look at the theme, It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey's like, well, maybe it be, wouldn't be the best thing if I took my own life, but maybe if I'd never been born. And Clarence the angel shows George Bailey what the world would be like if he was never born. Like, what would that have meant? And even on a bigger level, like a meta-narrative, what would it have meant to the world if Jesus never came? So somehow still, this peasant dude from Galilee 2,000 years ago is still the most talked about guy, still the most influential guy. I mean, I've seen scores of things, Newsweek, Time, et cetera. Every year, they talk about who are the most influential people, and it always comes back the most influential person ever is Jesus. Even if you don't believe in him, like Jesus has impacted history to the point that even time, what we, even our modern calendar, and you might say, well, CE, BCE, whatever, it's still, after they changed from AD to BC, whatever, and now it's, you know, CE, BCE, they still start with when Jesus was purportedly born. So no matter how you want to slice it, this guy in the time-space continuum that we know had a huge impact. And what we talked about last week, like what would the world be like if Jesus never came? Because I believe his life got the whole party started um, for the church thing. And we want to talk about this week, what if the Holy Spirit never came? And the Holy Spirit is, it's very, um, depending on which side of the tracks you come from, even from a faith standpoint, is, is very imperative. Like if the Holy Spirit didn't come, the thing that was different before Jesus came was the Spirit was only released in doses to certain people for certain works at certain times. And the thing Jesus did is when he gave his life, when his life was pulled back and his body was broken, when it was broken completely, it was almost as if the thing that was uh, released when it was finished was the payment of sin. Jesus said it's over. The old covenant, the old way, the old curse, it's all broken. Just like Aslan on the table, almost like time was turned back by the deeper magic. And so a lot of times, what I believe that people in the church have done is they've relegated the gospel to the cross. And the gospel is the cross. But that's just the first part of the story. If Jesus Christ had never come, there was still a system of sacrifice. There was still a system of that you could go, basically put your head on the goats or the lamb or the ox or whatever, you transfer your sins, cut its neck, and then you were good and come back, uh, rinse and repeat. But if Jesus had never come, like that system would still be in place. But I think that the other side of grace, if Jesus hadn't come, um, would be a much, uh, would be just as harrowing of a terrible proposition. Because I believe that grace is twofold. You might have heard me say this before, that it was the grace on the cross that Jesus paid it all. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, right? But the other side of it was, is we're incapable to even obey even after what he did. So Jesus said, I'm gonna turn it all back and what I'm gonna do when he said it is finished is that old curse, that old curtain that was in the garden that existed when he expelled Adam and Eve, that old curtain was pulled back and opened up and Jesus said, listen, I took the test, you get the grade. But now you still will flunk the test, so now I'm gonna give you my spirit because I can obey myself and you can't. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing, literally, and he meant it. So he said, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you myself, because he said to the disciples, me everywhere is better than me just here. He said, so it's better for you if I go away, and if I leave, I will send myself back to you. And he was coming in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit talks about in the book of Acts, like Christ in us, or Christ with us. It talks about uh, it in Colossians, and then in Romans, but it's specifically in the book of Acts called the Spirit of Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes into people's lives and it empowers us to live like Jesus and do what Jesus did. It says in um, Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through seven, the people who walk in spiritual darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. You, O oh God, will increase the nation. You will multiply their joy. They will, uh, uh, before you rejoice, like joy and jubilation at the time of the harvest, as uh, people rejoice when they divide the spoils of victory. For you will break the yoke of Israel's burden and the staff or the goat on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, as the battle of uh, the battle of Moses and Midian. For every boot of the marching warrior in the battle of tumult and every soldier's garment rolled in blood will be used for burning fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. One of the things Jesus talks about when he says that I will come to you, that he says in the form of, he says the counselor or the paraclete, say, say with me, paraclete. We're not talking about like baseball getting a paracletes, but we're talking about the paraclete, like para means to come alongside, and like the paraclete, that the helper, the counselor would come to you, upon you. So this wonderful counselor, Jesus calls himself, that he's saying to his disciples, he says, and the counselor will come to you. That means that counselor, that, that the spirit will be a guide, he'll be an empowerer. And it says, unto us a child is born, and wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government of peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And we see all over the Christmas story, we see encounters with people with the Holy Spirit. Like the Spirit spoke, spoke to the uh, to the high priest that year, Zechariah, right? About the baby John. The spirit spoke to Mary that she would be the one, the virgin who would, like the, the young woman who would have this child supernaturally. Then it spoke to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to the Magi when they were trying to figure out, do we go back to Herod? It's like, no, don't go to Herod because they're looking for the child. Go back a different way. And then it spoke to the shepherds. It spoke to so many different parts of the story. We see the spirit and the spirit really is the arm of God. It's the hand of God. It's the finger of God doing the stuff we can't do for ourselves. So what does it look like? What would it mean if the Holy Spirit hadn't come? And I think, honestly, a lot of the church in our country lives as if the Holy Spirit didn't come or isn't that important. There's a whole host of people, they call themselves cessationists, and our churches are filled with cessationist leaders that basically believe 
that the gifts of the Spirit, as we know them, stopped in the book of Acts. And so we kind of have this junior Holy Spirit compared to what the apostles have. And basically what it's done is it's cheapened the work of Jesus to make him like Jiminy Cricket or tour guide Barbie. That there's basically Jiminy Cricket or tour guide Barbie, like God is this conscience or this like, hey, I'll show you where to go. I'll show you what to do. Tour guide Barbie is here, you know, to show you through the toy store. And it's like, and a lot of people just kind of believe that's all the Holy Spirit is. That the apostles did these supernatural, amazing things, but the rest of us are left with the Thanksgiving leftovers that are a week old, and all we get is to think a little better about ourselves, to do a little better, and to understand the Bible as best we can. And that's what, probably I would say over half the church in our country believes and teaches. And we wonder why we have a very weak rendering of Christianity. You can see correspondingly in the last about 160 years as the culture started taking this shift of the enlightenment and the age of reason and the industrial age and the scientific method as the church has bought this hook, line, and sinker that the church has gone from a peak of this to down here. When it was about 90% of our people back in the 1860s were Christ-following believers, now it's about 23, 27%. And I think it corresponds well with what we have, what we're left with is a very weak, impotent Christianity. That we basically have a Christianity where the best move for most of the church has been debates, arguments, apologetics. And it's been this kind of debate of like, well, we can talk people into the gospel. We can tell the good news. We can preach the good news. We have silver tongue orators in mass on stages, on TED Talks, on podcasts. But why is the church shrunk at an alarming rate? And I think because... A lot of us live like the Holy Spirit hasn't come. We haven't let it transform our mind. We haven't let it transform our heart. We haven't let it transform our habits. And we've bought some of this garbage that I believe a lot of preachers are proffering. That we have this junior Holy Spirit. We can't do what Jesus did. When That John 14, 12, when he says, you'll do the same thing as me, but even greater. We're like, you didn't really mean that. You didn't mean that for me. Several years ago, I'm on a plane and I'm talking to this guy and you may, I may have said this before, but I'm talking to this guy and, and I'm looking at what he's reading and he's reading this Thomas Jeffersonian sort of thing and I always like to read because when I like to read, I can talk to people and so we're talking about kind of God outside the box, this deism and we're talking and he starts asking me what we're doing and I'm taking a bunch of kids to Costa Rica I'm in a sh- on. Uh, like on this mission trip. And we're just sitting there on the plane and this guy starts grilling me. He's a college, he's a college professor. And after a while, I'm kind of getting the, he wants to just make me feel like an idiot for going on a mission trip. And he's wanting to embarrass me. And, but I'm just sitting here thinking like, you know, I mean, probably in my flesh, I'm thinking like, I'm not some 18 year old college kid. You're gonna talk out of my belief in Jesus the you know, first month of class. But so we're having this conversation. We have a long flight from, uh, um, Houston to uh, 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 San Jose, about three and a half hour flight. And we're just talking. And he starts asking me all these questions about, like, he says, so, would you believe is the single greatest apologetic for the Christian faith? 
And I know he's looking for the bait that he wants me to talk about the virgin birth or talk about the completion of scripture or talk about the resurrection. But, and I just said to him, I said, that's easy. I said, it's the Holy Spirit. And he said, that's interesting. He said, I've asked that question over a thousand times and I've never had that answer. Do say more. And so we get talking and we're talking and, and I'm kind of walking him through history, what it looks like, like for miracles, when the spirits move. And I started way far off, book of Acts, through history, to kind of recent, to present day, to people that I know, and then into my own life. And he says, well, that's very compelling. So it's very interesting, I've never heard that. He said, but how do I know you're not a charlatan? How do I know you're not some huckster? Just tell me some tricks. And like any good Christian pastor, I said to my spirit, oh, blank. Lord, give me something. And I just get this name pop in my head. And I'm like, and I have no idea who it is. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take the risk. That's how they say faith is spelled, R-I-S-K. And I'm like, does this name mean anything to you? And he looks at me, he said, well, before this book, the last seven books I've read have been by that guy. I said, interesting. <laughs> and he said, well, what about it? And I said, I believe he's influencing you wrong. He's been influencing you wrong and the stuff that you're believing about Jesus is wrong and what he's saying is wrong. And I believe God has better stuff for you than that. He said, well, I do have to admit, I don't think you're a charlatan. <laughs> he said, and I'm rather intrigued, but it's like, I couldn't convince this guy talking his leg off. And I, I, I can talk about this stuff pretty well. But my best move wasn't clever arguments. It was like that, it was the Holy Spirit that Jesus knew this guy way better than I did and he loves him. And this jerk who's made a living, he was a philosophy professor. He made a living basically trying like, to convince older children that Jesus is a farce. And that's what he did for a job. He, was a, he wanted to convince people that they're idiots for uh, being Christians. And he prided himself that so many kids come in my class, come in Christians, leave atheists. But then like the Lord pulls this Jedi mind trick on the guy. It's like when Obi-Wan's in there, it's like, I want to sell you death sticks. He's like, you don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. It's like, you want to go home and rethink your life? I'm going to go home and rethink my life. It's kind of like this Jedi mind trick. This guy's like, I want to sell you death sticks. It's like, no, you don't. You want to believe in Jesus. And it's like, and then like even at the end, I got to pray for the guy. And he's like, I don't believe in Jesus, but I have to think about this differently. And I think if Jesus hadn't come, um, I think the world would be in darkness. And if we look at the increase of how the world's changed exponentially, then since Jesus came, Jesus was the first person to do the stuff of healing of the masses, of the feeding of the hungry, of the dignity of women, of the releasing of slaves, of bringing together people of different color, different races. Jesus was the first one to do that. That didn't happen under the old guard of Judaism, under the Roman world. Jesus was the first one to do that. But we saw the disciples, and we see still today that the greatest works of beauty in this world look no further than the church. 
look no further than the bride of Christ. And I contend um, that a lot of the abdication of the power of the spirit of the movement of God in our lives has added to a lot of the darkness in the world. I believe that the Holy Spirit, um, his governance, what it talks about in that passage, when it increases, that um, people are changed. I wanna ask you, is your life truly, like if you know Jesus, okay? This is for you if you know Jesus. And there's probably some people here today that don't, but if you know Jesus, has your life truly been changed? Has his governance taken hold of you? Are you any different? Or do you just like same person, but you go to church? Because that's a weak church. That's a weak life in Christ. Like when Jesus comes, it says the increase of his government would have no end. That starts in my heart. That starts in yours. So when Jesus, when heaven takes hold of me, I should be different. I should be able to do things that I used to not be able to do, not just get words of knowledge or prophetic or pray for the sick. That's cool stuff, but the stuff that's way more impressive are changed lives. See, that's just the stuff God does when he's blowing kisses and trying to get people's attention, when he's flexing a little bit. It's like the guy when he's dating to try to get the girl, you're so like, hey, is the gym over there, you know, kind of thing. That's what God does with, with, with the miracles, with the words of knowledge. That's not the commonplace stuff. Now, I think it's more common than we know if we, believe, if we begin to trust and operate differently. But the stuff God is most concerned with is the changing of men's and women's and children's lives. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. When the, when the Spirit, do you know the Spirit in you gives you the power to be different? It gives you the power to think differently. I don't care if you've been an addict, if you've been abused, if you got ADD, ADHD, if you got schizophrenia, if you got depression, if, you have a, if you're like a megalomaniac, the Spirit gives you the power to think differently than you've thought. If you've been sick, the Spirit gives you the power to not be depressed, to not be a victim. It gives you the power to walk in God's grace. If you've, if you've been abused, the Spirit gives you the power you need to forgive other people. The Spirit illumines stuff in our hearts so we're not greedy, so we're not so temperamental, that we're not easily angered, that we're not just led around by our lust and libidos and thoughts. The Spirit gives us the power to live differently. And if that had never happened, I can't imagine the darkness the world would be in. And Jesus is the most prominent figure that's ever lived because not just the life he lived, but because the Spirit that he gives to his children to be like him. He says, you're the change. You want the world to change. He says, here it is. I gave you me. You go change it. It says you have everything you need for godliness right now. You might be in the gutter. You might have acted out before you came here with whatever you're struggling with. But Jesus says you have everything you need for godliness and change right now. Because I'm in you. Christ in us, is the ho- it, it, that's the hope of glory. And do you know that there's no such thing as a spirit-filled church in a not spirit-filled church? That's what we call theological crap. And you might say that, oh, that's a spirit-filled Christian. 
No, Romans 8, 16 says that those that have the spirit of Christ are the sons and daughters of Christ. If you don't have the spirit, you're not born again. The thing that makes us born again, that makes us born anew, is God gives a spirit without limit. And that a spirit comes into a person and they're born anew. And like that guy Nicodemus is like, well, how does this happen? And Jesus is like, you're the teacher of Israel, hombre. How do you not get this? You're not gonna shrink back into a baby, but what's gonna come is this, your dead life, I'm gonna put my living spirit in it and you're gonna be transformed from the inside out, not the outside in. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Is that kind of power resident in your existence? Do you live as if Jesus came? Do I think as if Jesus came? Do my habits reflect Jesus came? Does the way I talk, the way I eat, the way I look, the way I treat others, does it look like Jesus came? Because the power of the spirit, if it never came, then the world's in darkness and, I, and I've got an excuse. But since he did, I'm, I'm not off the hook. I'm gonna read you this passage and then we're gonna um, do something a little different. Here's what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus, at the, beginning, at the beginning of his ministry, Luke chapter four, walks up in the temple and he pulls out this scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, 27 feet long. This thing's written and Jesus is like, like go, go gadget arms. Whips this thing out and breaks it and then here's what he reads. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom or liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Vengeance, what it, what it means there is not like God wants to come and like kill everyone, but the vengeance of God against the kingdom of darkness. Do you know that there's a, there's a cosmic battle going on that a lot of times we can't even see? We see it all the time, but we don't see the forces of evil that are behind it. It says that Jesus Christ, in 1 John, it says, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And this was the day of recompense, and God's like, and Jesus is like, looking at the devil like, I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> Why, Satan, you look like someone stepped over your grave. Like, you know, it's like, I think that's what happened on the cross. And he says, the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle and praise. It's a mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Saying that, People would be in this darkness and he knew it and he said, but I'm coming, I'm the real McCoy and instead of this, it'll look like that. They will raise up and then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They, they will even repair the ruined cities. The desolation of many generations. Strangers will stand and pasture your flocks and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers, but you will be called priests of the Lord. You will, be spoken of, you will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat from the wealth of nations and the riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of embarrassment, they will shout for joy 
over their portion. They will possess a double portion of the land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and the burnt offering. And I will faithfully give them recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. And all who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. And then Jesus puts the scroll down. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine the audacity, like Jesus just walking in there and saying, yeah, it's all about the change starting today. When Jesus draws us to himself, and you might not even know Jesus, but do you know that the potential of change for your life is unlimited? You might be loving the Lord and just trapped. The potential of change for your life is unlimited. And he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I wanna tell you, church, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And when the Holy Spirit comes, that's what a changed life looks like. That we release people from oppression, that the morning, that maybe you've lived your whole life sad, Jesus says, like, I can lift you out of that. Maybe you've lived your whole life abused and ashamed. And he says, you won't be ashamed anymore. You won't be embarrassed anymore. You, you'll be able to look people in the eye now. You'll be able to tell the truth. Maybe you've lied to yourself and others your whole life, and he says, you'll be able to tell the truth. You'll be able to stop trying to be someone else. You'll stop trying to take control of every situation. You'll stop trying to control others. You'll stop trying to control how you feel with the things you do. And he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. If the Holy Spirit never came, that's impossible. If the Holy Spirit never came, there wouldn't be orphanages. The Holy Spirit never came. There wouldn't be hospitals as we know them. There wouldn't be education. Do you know that most of the translation, like people love Google Translate and I, and I love it, it's great. But do you know stuff like that started with the church because people were serious about Jesus going to every nation and they started translating languages across the board. Most translation in the world started off people translating scriptures, people who were doing missions, going into new nations and taking um, unwritten languages and uh, uh, communicating and transposing the word into that. Most higher education, Harvard, Yale, Duke, Columbia, uh, Oxford, Cambridge, these were started off as Christian institutions. Now, oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen, but these were places that started because the, like the church believed, like, like in Deuteronomy 6, that you teach your children, you teach your disciples to do the stuff. Higher education, Hospitals, like I said, orphanages, uh, women's rights, slavery, all these things were ended because people who took Christ in them seriously. And if the Holy Spirit had never come, the world would be in darkness. So you might think whatever you want, like, dude, you're overstating this. Jesus says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing, and he proved it, because how the world changed from one guy in one little country all those years ago, because he did what no one else could do or would do. He paid it all, but then he says, I'm gonna send myself back to you for you to do the same stuff. Does your world change and look different as a result of Christ in you? Do the people around you, do they notice the impact? Because our lives are either compelling or repelling because of Jesus. And if we're never having that impact on people, maybe we're not walking in the spirit he gave us. 
Or maybe we're limping along, just always stuck in the same gear and nothing's ever changing. Maybe we're not recognizing or appreciating the spirit, the gift that he gave us. And friends, I don't wanna preach a powerful gospel and live a puny one. I don't wanna preach freedom and then live in bondage. Or I don't wanna preach freedom and then do nothing about the bondage I see around me. So I'm gonna ask, ask today, we're just gonna wind up and we're gonna pray. We're gonna leave room for the Holy Spirit. Lucas, if you wanna come on up. Where do you need more love and more power in your life? Where does the, the weary world need when G Jesus unrolled that scroll and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. Is your life good news? Where do you need good news today? Where do you need breakthrough? Because you're like, dude, I don't even know how to help anyone else because I can't get out of my own way. Where do you need breakthrough today? Where do you need that spirit without limit? Where do you need God to do something today that you couldn't do for yourself? Where do you need more love? Where do you need more power? Where do you need more of God in your life, as the old song goes? Where do you need Jesus to do something for you, to you, through you today? So we're gonna pray today. We're gonna pray for release of the Spirit because the world would stink if he didn't come. The world would be stinking still because none of us could really do anything powerful or plausible if he didn't give his Spirit to us. He didn't just give us a get out of jail free card. He gave us an all access pass to a new life, to a new kingdom, to a new way of living. So if you are bound in anything and you're like, I'm not living the way I wanna live, maybe you're sick. Maybe you're falling, you're being seduced by, maybe you're being discipled by CNN and Fox more than you'd like. Seriously. You're like, I, I don't have the same passion for Jesus that I used to. I don't have the same love for others. Maybe you can't love yourself. Maybe you just let everyone abuse you. Sexually, emotionally, physically, verbally. Where do you need Jesus to come in your life? We're just gonna play and we're gonna sing for a little bit and I'm just gonna pray. Where do you want the spirit to be released right now? So we're just gonna take a minute. We're gonna sing this song a little bit. Lucas is gonna sing it, more love, more power. And I just need you to think and be honest today. This is a day. Jesus says today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm telling you, there are people in mass around us that are lost that are broken. There's people around us that if they die today, they're, they're not gonna be with Jesus. That they have no hope in their future. There's people around us just endlessly smoking weed, doing drugs, shooting up. There's foster kids. I mean, we've served 140 something foster kids this year so far because kids are being taken from their parents all around us because their parents are just stuck and so broken or they don't care and they put their kids in situations and the kids have to live with other people. We have, we have a problem, people. 
The same hope the world needed back then is needed now, but the same power to change the world Jesus had is available to us. Either if we wanna receive Christ or if we already have, Jesus today can be fulfilled in your hearing. So we're gonna sing and then we're gonna pray. Pray as we're singing. touch of the spirit, I just ask you to stand to your feet today. If you don't know Jesus and you're like, I want a God like that, just stand to your feet today. Jesus came to set captives free. Lord, would you blow us back? Would you literally, says you breathed on them. You said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, be filled with the spirit today. Be filled with the spirit. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit on every occasion. Lord, people that are filled, that have been filled, that just need a fresh wind, would you come fresh fire today, Holy Spirit? Would you come on people's lives? Would you break addictions? Would you break the chains of injustice? Would you break the cords of anger? Would you break the cords of resentment? Would you break the cords of bondage? Lord, I pray for a powerful church that cares about the loss the way you do. Lord, let us have a kingdom footprint, Lord, that let us be known as people that care about injustice. Not just that we talk about it, pray about, but we do something about it. We pray for strategy on high, Jesus, to do something about it. Be released. Spirit, today I pray in Jesus' name, would you come on the lives of people? Would you fill people that don't know you with your presence? Would you fill marriages, Lord, that are empty, that are loveless, that are full of anger, that are lacking intimacy, that are lacking prayer, that are lacking forgiveness? Would you come today and fill these lives? Would you fill the students, Lord, the children? Would you fill people, Lord, that just blow the cobwebs 
cobwebs out, blow the dust within now. Rushing wind, would you fall in this place today? Would you let our church never be the same? Let us look back on December 4th, 2022 as a day that the dust was blown out and life came. That Lord, that we would be agents of change because you're with us, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Would you change us today, Holy Spirit? Would you fall in every life here? If you're drug addicted, if you're painkiller addicted, if you're love addicted, if you're sex addicted, if you're alcohol addicted, gambling, if that's you, stand to your feet. Don't be ashamed today. Times of refreshing and healing will come. But Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, if you're ashamed of me, there's a lot that I, not that I can't do, but I won't do for you. You can't be ashamed of what Jesus did. And the greatest thing Jesus offers is forgiveness. So if you're stuck today, he wants to free you doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to embarrass you. He wants to free you. He wants to free you from yourself, from your past. He wants to free you to be who he made you to be. To be all the stuff that Isaiah 61 in Luke 4 says, to be like Christ. So Lord, would you set captives free today? Would you set people free who are living a different gospel than the one they accepted years ago, days ago, months ago? Maybe even right now, people, maybe you don't know Jesus and you're like, I'm stuck. My life has no purpose. I wonder if there's someone here today who's contemplating suicide, that you've been thinking about it a lot. Maybe you're at that George Bailey place where the world would be better if you weren't here anymore. I tell you, Jesus Christ comes to set you free today and your life has more purpose and potential than you can imagine. Jesus come to set captives free. Maybe you're thinking of a divorce, you've never even told anyone that. You've just had it. Jesus comes to set you free. Well, you don't know who I live with. I know who I live with, Jesus, and I've seen what he's done in my life and my marriage. I shouldn't be here today. So I don't know what your circumstance is, but I know how great his power is. And I know his power is greater than the pain and the problem you've got. Just put your hands out. Just put your hands out today if you're sitting or standing. And just say with me, just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Say, come fresh fire. Say, come fresh wind. Come more love. To come more power. Come more of you in my life. Jesus, will you fall in this church today? If you don't know Jesus today and you're like, I like what you're talking about, would you just raise would you raise your hand if you don't know Jesus today? Kind of wave it at me if you're like, I don't know who he is. I, yeah, I see someone back there. You're like, I want to receive this. If you wanna receive Jesus, we wanna pray for you today. Or maybe you're like, dude, I, I prayed at one point in time, but my life has lost its impotent, it's weak. 
I've lost my first love. I'm like the church of Laodicea. God's blessed me, but I've kind of forgotten about him. Does anyone feel like I've been blessed, but I've kind of forgotten about his power in my life? Would anyone say that today? Thanks, brother. Well, prayer teams, if you wanna come up, we wanna pray for you today. If you wanna receive Christ, if you wanna give your life back to Christ, you're like, I just need more. We wanna pray today. Don't leave here today. Don't be rushing out of here today because you got somewhere to go. There's no place you could be that's better than God's presence. Especially if you need, if you have a hunger for healing. Is there anyone here who's like, man, I love Jesus, but I've got this vision in my life and I want to see the world changed, but I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Come up, get prayer today. Because I believe there's revelation, there's wisdom. I believe, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I believe the human trafficking blight, the childless or the parentless child blight in our city is too much and we've got to do something about it. The Lord has divine revelation strategy. He has powerful weapons for tearing down these strongholds. And if that's you today, you want to do something about it, come get prayer. If you're sick of the way things are and you want to see a move of God in the earth in your time that doesn't just look like usual showing up, come and get everything Jesus has for you today. For our elders, staff, if you could just step out of your seats, kind of get around the back if people want to go to the back and, and receive prayer, go ahead and step out of your seats, elders and staff. We want to pray for people today. We want the power of God people's come and we believe that there's a thing called impartation so we're just going to pray now I'm going to shut up and we would love for you to receive if you need something go, go to one of these good looking people around and just, uh, just tell them what you need and God wants to fill you today in Jesus name